today's topic on spatular extremities is the 1990s retro sexploitation zine, Highball. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Spatular Extremities. Today's episode is on the 90s sexploitation zine highball. Now first I wanted to give a correction. I said yesterday that there were four issues of yuck, but it turns out that there were actually five. Our friend Nigel, after the fourth issue, made a fifth that was actually according to him very successful, but then he got a job at an insurance company and developed a drinking habit. So anyway, that's the correction. We are faster here than the New Yorker. But back to the matter at hand. Highball is a magazine that came out of Oberland, Ohio, first in 1992. Now, I don't know if the magazine is in any way connected to Oberlin College, but I will say that back in the 90s, I had some friends that went there. And as from what I, from what I heard, Oberlin College at the time had the highest suicide rate of any college in the country. That may or may not tell you anything about Highball Magazine. Now, Highball comes out of a weird little subcultural moment. In the early 90s and stretching all the way into the 2000s, there were a number of Gen Xers and later early Millennials who who decided for whatever reason to ape the fashions of the 50s and early 60s. This is where, for example, Johnny Cash made a comeback. This is where the Cramps kind of made a comeback. This is where the Brian Setzer Orchestra comes from. This is where surf rock like The Ventures and later Manor Astro Man kind of blew up. You saw young women dressing like Betty Page, and you saw young men dressed like very non-threatening greasers. Now, my theory on this is that many of the people who were doing this were children of former hippies, and they wanted to freak out their parents. But it's kind of hard to freak out your parents if they've been through the counterculture revolution. And so they began aping the style that they thought that their parents' parents were into. Because if you really want to piss off your parents, try acting like their parents. That'll piss them off. And as far as zines went, I'm sure there are more than this, but I know I, I, know I remember one called Barracuda that was a men's magazine with a sort of Jetsons top spin and there was no depression, which built itself as an alternative country. And of course, there's Highball. Now you also have to remember going into this, that in the early 90s, the entertainment that was geared toward Gen Xers was being created by baby boomers. And the baby boomers have always had more cultural power than the, than the Gen Xers. And even the millennials have more cultural power than the Gen Xers. Generation X was a fairly small generation. And that cultural gripe lasts to this day. 
and in highball you get this overtly at times and then other times it kind of comes through inadvertently. Now highball was edited by someone who calls herself Betsy Berger and I'm going to read you Betsy Berger's open, opening editorial. It says, last week while out of town, I had the distinct displeasure of falling asleep to a recent Spielberg multi-million dollar salute to banality. As this disquieting irritant spewed forth its narcotic splendor into my tiny motel room, for a whopping $8, I might add, I was struck by our uniquely American view of the film ideal. Americans in all areas of life, it seems, have an incredibly voracious appetite for anything less interesting, thought-provoking, or emotionally challenging than that which has come before. Not only do we require that the same story be told 17 and a half different ways for our enjoyment, but we insist that it be done with the imagination and artistry of an oil change. Redundancy is definitely the watchword for the 90s in U.S. media entertainment. Eh, she's not wrong. Fortunately for me, anyway, there are still enough celluloid gems for, from our recent past being unearthed that I am not old enough to have seen the first time around. Of these, ancient works of the taboo-shrouded adult genre have taken a nasty bite out of my present interest sensibilities. These beloved productions, ranging from gut-wrenching to gory, titillating to tempestuous, and from gourmet food for thought to mere mental popcorn, give us the formidable framework and focus of Highball. Our small but mighty staff offer it up humbly and satisfied in hopes that it will kindle the sexploitation spark in all who enter its virgin pages. Step back in time, make the choice now. So you see right there that Highball is kind of built as a reaction to the, uh, the dominant culture, but also it expresses a real aggravation and I think that a lot of it comes from the realization that in the 90s, a lot of what we were getting was a sanitized version of things that were interesting. After all, what was Seattle grunge but a sanitized version of punk rock mixed with a sanitized version of the 60s? At the same time, you have to find your niche. And Highball's niche is underground X-rated cinema, which they call sexploitation that was being produced in the 60s and 70s. Now always keep in mind that Highball is reacting to the culture in 1992, which by extension is a reaction to what has been going on in pornography since Deep Throat, which I believe was in 1969. It's a reaction to things that the baby boomers produced, but it's also a reaction to things that the baby boomers popularized. These are movies that are being made by an older generation. One which is still operating in the 70s, but has been subsumed by much bigger things. And I'm going to read to you a piece from an article by someone who calls herself Avery St. Ives. Uh, this is the first article after the editorial. It says... High school dawned on me like the dead, where I resented even more the wretched myths perpetrated by a Hollywood that seemed to assume everyone was afflicted with terminal gullibility. I crawled through the weekend section of the paper, hoping to find some cinematic evidence of creativity. Any signal that someone beside myself possessed a different, if not totally subversive, perspective on things. Those films which qualified under my scrutiny had the dubious distinction 
of being termed exploitation movies. I didn't worry about defining the object of this exploitation, but when the few filmmakers I admired would invert their outlook just to make a quick buck, I soon understood that this object was most likely myself. Since time fostered a tolerance for the vapidity that overwhelmed me, I treated the generally insipid condition of the world with whatever banal amusements were available. Man, that's some purple prose. However, as my need for creative substance created a considerable void for many years, allow me to jump ahead to our current era of cinemadness, because quite directly, I've got something to tell you. You see, I've noticed a complete misinterpretation of recent cinematic trends, trends which many mindlessly perceive as being major advancements. Specifically, I refer to the invasion of hardcore pornography, which managed to deceive the masses into believing that our inventive highways had now become endless avenues for expression. What a crock. I not only disagree, but the reasoning behind this theory reminds me of a limited mentality, loathsomely similar to the empty aesthetic horizon that I tolerated during the above-referenced period of cultural poverty. So, to unburden myself of a hostility seething within my soul, I would like to forever banish this conniving hardcore to the underground vaults labeled, labeled jack-off material only. Sexuality did, of course, become a governing theme in the movies I came to cherish, but this elusive quality entered the story only to delicately motivate a character's behavior. To me, sex, when best utilized artistically, suggests the nature of a potent spice, which in the hands of a great chef could enhance a recipe to the point of perfection. Abused by a culinary hack, however, this same spice would taint the dish permanently, promoting nausea and regurgitation. And so it was with hardcore porn. The clinical sight of photographed penetration reduced the big screen to a level as base as that of a derelict drilling a peephole in the wall of a women's restroom. Pornography by its very nature is best valued in the form of a pure stimulant, and the attempts to glamorize this work during its height of controversy now seem embarrassing, if not utterly ridiculous. And skipping down a bit, St. Ives writes, So join me now as we once again go back in time, finding when we open our eyes that the calendar reads 1964. Adults were expected to use their own discretion when selecting appropriate entertainment, and theaters could hardly be called reticent when expressing that children were not welcome during a particular engagement. Understanding these rules of conduct, I see no reason why we shouldn't enjoy ourselves by seeing a good movie. All of this is a rather wordy way of saying that Highball is not intended as a stroke mag, and the movies that it talks about well, I, they're not intended as stroke movies, or maybe, I don't know, I don't know what turns you on, maybe they are, but it's not the kind of straight-up hardcore porn that comes out of a grungy warehouse in Chatsworth, California. And at least the first issue has some nudity, it's in black and white, there are a lot of suggestive photographs. The cover says adults only. I think that's kind of a gimmick that goes back to the Avery St. Ives editorial. The magazine has some interviews with uh, directors where they talk about their movies. And you can say that you read it for the articles because it's mostly text. 
the second issue I have is volume two, issue one, which has a lot more artwork. It has some nudity, by which I should have said it has more nudity, but once again, it's mostly cheesecake. There is an article called You Have to Horsewhip Your Wife with a, it is accompanied by a very interesting picture. And it's it's a really funny article. I would I would recommend downloading that issue just to read this. It's all about the legality in various places of whipping your wife. You know, if this if this wasn't edited by a woman, it would be rather disturbing. <laughs> it has an article on various Marilyn Monroe wannabes, such as uh, Kim Novak and Mamie Van Doren. And of course, being a magazine about sexploitation cinema, it has a good deal of reviews, and that's in both issues. There's one in here called Mondo Freudo that I might just look up to see if I can find it somewhere, because it sounds pretty funny. I happen to be a fan of the Mondo films. As far as the review goes, I think uh, you're, if you're listening to this, you're gonna know if this is up your alley or not. You know, one of the things that I found very interesting about looking at some of these old zines from the 90s is that the 90s had political correctness, but it, is, it has not exploded the way that it has in the last few years. There are definitely things in here that would offend your more sensitive souls, but I don't think that your more sensitive souls are going to be interested in this in the first place. So, you know, as far as that goes, use your discretion. <clears throat> um, highball is definitely not safe for work, so don't go looking at it on your computer screen at the office. But it's really not that bad. So, you know, check it out if it sounds good to you. I think you know who you are if it does. And as always, you know, I'm still looking for a co-host. Still looking for a co-host. If you want to be a co-host on this show, at me on Twitter, that is at SpatularGene, that is at SpatularGene. Um, I'm on a bunch of different podcasting platforms. The only one I'm not on yet is iTunes. That one is just dragging. If you're looking at this on YouTube or BitChute, well, <laughs> there I am. You can listen to the previous six episodes. Some of the zines that I will be talking about in the near future include Cinema Sewer, uh, Asian Trash Cinema is the big one. I don't know that I'm going to have that ready by Friday. That was the original plan. Friday is when I try to do episodes that are at least a half hour or around a half hour. I got Raw Virus, which is the sequel to Yuck. I'm certainly looking at some zines that deal with things other than sort of fandom. Those are a little hard to pick. I'm kind of looking at one called Mousy that's written by an Asian lesbian. And I got another one, I forget the title, but it's a, it's a zine about the Kansas City scene. So that could be kind of neat. But anyway, I hope you enjoy your Tuesday as best as you can. I always think Tuesday is like the worst week day of the week. It's it's not quite it's not Monday, but you're not at hump day yet and uh, Thursday is Thursday is Friday's Friday and then you got the weekend. So I really hope you survive Tuesday all intact and happy. 
and uh, I will talk to you probably tomorrow or the day after if I can't get to it tomorrow. All right, have a good one. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs>